Someone recently said to me, JL, I am really glad that you were not my sister. And I think they meant it in a nice way because they went on to say, I bet it would really kind of suck to grow up with somebody who was a pastor because then you would always like make good choices as a kid and you'd be like the suck up to the parents and it'd just be really hard to be your sister. But newsflash, I was actually kind of a jerk as a child. Um, I really wasn't that good of a person and I was kind of rude and harsh. And actually in my family, my older brother Luke is known as the good kid that had it all together. He was quiet and sweet. He never said mean things about other people. He was never argumentative and sassy like I was. He never got a letter home from school about being disrespectful in class or, or picking a fight with the teacher about math and stuff. But that, that was me. Like I was the one that was always in trouble. In fact, I distinctly remember a conversation that I had with my dad as a kid where my dad referred to my brother Luke as an angel and also the closest person he's ever met to Jesus. Okay, a little bit that one stung because um, Jesus is kind of important to me. So when he said that was a little bit of an ego blow when my dad literally said, your brother's the closest person to Jesus that I know. Um, I felt bad. But anyways, that kind of sets, sets the tone a little bit because this one particular time I was in the summer between my fifth and sixth grade year, so I had very little freedom in my life up to this point. My older brother was a little older, and our family went on vacation with another family that also had a kid the same age as my brother named Alex. And we were all staying, our families were staying at this condo, and the condo had a game room on the in the basement floor that had like pool tables and darts and foosball and ping pong and all that kind of stuff and we were allowed to go unsupervised by adults. This was kind of our first adventure as young middle school students doing anything by ourselves so we felt pretty cool and we went to the game room frequently throughout this vacation. But one day we were shooting pool or whatever middle schoolers do with pool sticks and um, our friend Alex looked at the ceiling tile and pointed out that he felt that there was a hole in the ceiling tile the exact shape of the tip of the pool stick. I said in my super argumentative childhood ways that he was dead wrong and there's no way that that's what it was. And so an argument ensued, at which point Alex solved the argument by taking the pool stick and shoving another hole through the ceiling tile. Turns out he was right, by the way. And um, I just stood there thinking this was a horrible choice and we are going to die now. Our parents are going to descend upon us and we will never have freedom again and we will be grounded until we are 30 and it's just over. At which point Alex stabbed a second hole, overall third hole, into the ceiling tile. Apparently it was oddly satisfying, he said, and he began to jab multiple holes into the ceiling tile. At which point, I froze. I had no idea how to handle this. And then Alex began to convince my angelic brother, Luke, to do the same thing. And suddenly, both Luke and Alex had stabbed over 30 holes in the ceiling tiles of this room. They then began to sword fight, which turned into stabbing of the wall and drywall, and there was a gash. At which point the boys realized if they did not cause me to also jab a hole somewhere that I was probably going to tell and they would die. And so then the peer pressure turned against me. 
They began arguing with me. There was name calling. There was all kinds of things. And so finally, I caved to peer pressure and jabbed a hole into the ceiling with my pool stick and then felt horrible. The game ended. We left the room. I thought for sure death was coming upon us, but our parents said nothing. An entire day passed, and then a second, and then it happened. My parents found my brother and I. They sat us down in the room, and they said parental things like, we need to have an important conversation. We need to know the truth. Be honest. Honesty builds trust, and as you are becoming teenagers, we need to know that we can trust you. And then they said that the pool and the game room had been viciously vandalized by someone and that we had no idea who it was but was it perhaps us and our friend Alex and then my dad turned to my angelic brother Luke and asked this question he said Luke did you vandalize the game room I know that whatever you tell me is going to be the truth and so Luke said no no I did not vandalize and in that moment I took a deep breath as my parents turned to me as kind of the naughty kid in the family, and they asked me if we vandalized. And I had a moment of, of decision right here where I either could agree with my brother who my parents thought never lied or sinned for some reason, or I could get him in double trouble, but if I told on him, I was getting in trouble, and so I lied. And... um. I, I said Luke was telling the truth, and we would never, ever do something like that. And so my dad is in heaven now, and I'm sure he's listening to me preach in the mansion, and I promise you that this is the first moment he has ever heard this story. So, Dad, I'm really sorry, really sorry we vandalized that and that somehow your angelic son Luke was a part of the great sin of vandalism. Um, but I was in that moment, and I knew the right thing to do. I knew I should not have done it. I knew I should have gotten out of there. But I stood in that place of indecision. I didn't want to lie to my parents. I didn't want to vandalize the game room. My conscience told me not to do it, but still, in that moment, I ignored it. And the longer I hesitated, the easier it was. And then the peer pressure came, and then all of a sudden, I found myself lying and vandalizing, and it was not good. Tonight, I'd like to float out this idea of what do we do when we're stuck in a position to make a hard choice? And here to model an excellently difficult choice is your friend and mine, Pastor Sean. He's going to come on out here. Now. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. They're no, clapping for they me. They are clapping for you. It's very surprising. Yeah. Okay. So Sean is, is wrestling with the decision. We've been discussing it as a team. Yep. And yep. so go ahead and tell the students. Yeah. So um, it's no secret. I can grow a pretty mean beard, right? Um, so recently though, I've lost a lot of weight. I've lost about 60 pounds. And so I have no idea what's under there. I don't know. It used to be like a killer whale's forehead from where my mouth started to where my neck ended. And that's a joke. You can laugh at it. It's smooth. There's no definition. Um, and so I always kept this beard so that I looked like I had a jawline and a chin. But now that I'm skinny, I'm a little curious, but I'm, I'm a little scared that it's just going to be a smaller, let's say a beluga whale's forehead and no longer a killer whale's forehead. So I'm having trouble deciding, should I shave the beard off or should I keep it? Okay, there's, clearly, there's yeah. clearly a lot of opinions. If you are in favor of Sean shaving the beard off, if you could make some noise. Okay, okay. 
If you are a fan of the beard, could you help let us know? Okay. Ugh. All right. Seems like a little more that in one, unclear, one direction. Yeah. What I'd like to do is let's, is there anyone that feels strong and passionate about Sean shaving the beard, not shaving the beard? Okay. All right. Kay. Rachel, Who? Maddie, come here. Come okay. On. We're going to see, we're going to see the opinions and see if there's some logic to what's going on here. Okay. What is your opinion? He should keep it. Keep it. Okay. Keep it. Okay. Right. Here's the thing. We don't know what's living under there. That thing's been on there for so long. That's so true. What if, what if it blinds us all? And what if he it hasn't, blinds us all? You haven't even named it yet. There is still so much opportunity for Sean to name his beard. I think that shouldn't be squandered. It's so, okay, interesting. Okay, sure. Which is all the reasons why we should shave the beard. I mean, like, we have not seen what's underneath there. Therefore, we must find out. Also, if there's no name, then it means it's not that important, right? So we should shave the beard. Right? Okay. All right, much thank like you. The, you can you Much can like the down. ocean, much of my face is unexplored. So. It is unexplored. Yeah. Okay. So throughout the night, we're going to talk about how to make a good decision, what goes into a good decision, who do we listen to. So if you could just, you know, go away a little bit. But listen and find out how to make a good decision, and we'll see what happens. What I want to do is jump into our Bible text for tonight, which we're going to look at the story of the, a man named Pilate. Now, Pilate, or Pontius Pilate, he sometimes is called, is a dude that we really only talk about on Easter because he's part of the story of the arrest and beating and crucifixion of Jesus. But I want us to look at this familiar text from the position of what, what it has to do with peer pressure and decision making. So, if you don't know, Pilate is the Roman leader. He's assigned by the Empire of Rome to rule over the Israelite nation. This part of Judea is the geography in this part of the world. And he's responsible for it. So he's like the ruler, but it's actually not that cool because Jerusalem and Israel and Judea at this time is considered kind of like the armpit of the Roman Empire. And so he's not that happy about it. It's like, you're the mayor of Mac. Or you got drafted in the NFL, but you play for the Jets. So it's like cool, but not that cool. You know what I'm saying? So he's excited, but he's not excited. So he's the ruler, but of Israel for the Roman leaders. And he's stuck trying to have, have to make big decisions to keep the area in, in order and in peace and not going into war. And he's kind of not very happy about it. And then suddenly the Jewish leaders under his dominion, they are the religious leaders, but not the political leaders. They arrest the most popular guy in the region, which is Jesus, because they're jealous of him. They're mad at him. They don't like that so many people are following him. And they bring him to Pilate. And the idea is they're trying to get Pilate legit to murder him, okay, to execute him. So Pilate is about to make an epic decision. Is he going to side with the Jewish leaders and execute Jesus, or is he going to look at the situation and see, these are just a bunch of jealous religious guys. Jesus has done nothing worthy of death. So he has an epic decision, and it turns out that this decision is going to define his entire life. In fact, this is pretty much any, all that gets talked about when it comes to Pilate is what he did with this decision. And each day, you and I make thousands of decisions. Some are small decisions, some are big decisions, but how we make that decision is going to define our life. And Pilate knew right from the beginning, obviously, this guy's done nothing deserving of death. 
They listened to the charges against him, and he thought, this isn't worthy of being executed. So he pulls him into private, interviews him, and gets even more information. But the truth is, he didn't need more information. Just like I didn't need more time to think about, should I stab this pool stick through the ceiling tile? Clearly, I knew the decision was wrong. Clearly, Pilate knows the decision is wrong. But because of peer pressure, he pauses. He thinks about it longer. He begins to overthink it. And the more he overthinks it, the more of a dilemma he found himself in. And that brings us to our first truth for tonight. And the first truth is do the right thing. Do the right thing. Like when you know the right thing, don't hesitate. Don't overthink it. Don't sit there going, I don't know, should I stab the pool stick through the ceiling tile? You know what's right and wrong in most cases. You know that vaping is going to trash your body. You understand that lying to your parents like I did, it's blatantly wrong. You know that cheating on the test is a sin. You, you know it is. But the longer you sit there thinking, should I look over at their computer screen, the harder it gets. You know that going to that party that got out of control last time where there's drinking and stupidity, you know that if you go back, you're going to put yourself in the same position. And so that's why it's so important to not overthink it, to just literally do the right thing, take action. The longer you stand in indecision, the easier it will be to cave to peer pressure. Now, Pilate knows Jesus hasn't done anything worthy of death, but instead of setting him free, he sits there. He sits there in the indecision until it gets harder. Now his wife comes to him, right? That's who Claudia is. Claudia is his wife, Pilate's wife. She comes to him and she has had a dream is what we learn in detail in the Bible. And in the dream, she has been warned that Pilate should have nothing to do with condemning Jesus, that he should get rid of that situation. Do not condemn Jesus. And she makes this passionate plea to let Jesus go. And Pilate already knows that's the right thing. And now he has someone he knows has his best interest in mind telling him the right thing to do. But the right thing is not the popular thing in this moment. So Pilate knows in his heart, his wife knows, and he knows his wife cares about him. He knows his wife has his best interest in mind. He knows that his wife has nothing to gain by giving him this advice and yet he is afraid or hesitant or for whatever reason does not listen to his wife. And that brings us to his second mistake and our big second truth. And that is this, listen to the right people. There are going to be people and voices around you every time you're faced with a decision. And you have to figure out for yourself who are the right people to listen to. Who are the right people? Who are the right people in your life? Is it... God? Is it a parent? Is it a close friend? Is it an older sibling? And each one of those people, I hope that you have them in your life, each one of those people are the people that you figure out they're your people so that when the big question, the big decision comes, you know who to listen to. Should I date this guy? Should I buy this thing? Should, should I trust this friend? Should I quit this job? When the big decisions come, that's when we have to know what to do. Okay, so let's imagine that, that this scale is the decision. You're either going to go one way or the other. You're going to decide yes or no. You're going to decide for or against. So every time you hear a voice, all voices do not weigh the same. 
So you're going to hear voices from someone that you trust and some people that you don't trust. And you have to be able to figure out, is this a voice that should carry weight in my life? So you see Sean has put some weight on the decision. So maybe that is from a friend. But is that a good friend? Is that a friend who has my best interest in mind? You have to know because not every friend has our best interest in mind. Some friends are using us. Some aren't. So is that a person that has our best interest in mind? We have to weigh that out. So say a friend says something on one side, and then we we look at the Bible or we explore what we think God is saying, and that's on the other side. And so we start to weigh those out. And are those voices equal? Should they hold equal weight in our life kind of becomes a big question. Is God's voice as weighty to you as your friend's voice? What about your parents' voice? Your parents have their voice and opinion should have weight. And assuming that your parents are good, strong people that truly care about you, that voice should have a lot of weight. If you have uh, parents who are abusive or distant or not safe people, then that voice should have less weight. But you have to decide, does that parent's voice have weight? Are they going to lead me in the right direction when I face that decision? And if the case is that you know your parent loves you and your parent cares about what's going to happen in your future, that voice should have a lot of weight. And it should probably outweigh your friends who you just met this year as opposed to like the woman who, you know, birthed you from her body. But it's up to you, whatever you think is best. So that's going to carry some weight on one side or the other, your parents' opinion. It, another one is the crowd. Like, what's popular? What's cool? What is everyone doing? What's everyone saying? And for some people, some people give that a ton of weight, but some people rightly judge the voice of the crowd to be a little bit of weight. They don't give it a ton of credence. But that's what you have to decide before the decision. Whose voice carries weight in your life? And how much weight? So that way when you come to the big decision, you can evaluate and say, well, just because my one friend and the crowd say that's the cool thing to do, but my parents, my God, my friend that's been with me since like first grade, this true friendship, they all say it's a bad choice for me, then, then I know who to listen to. Because it's not just how many people are yelling to make a certain decision, how loud they are. It's how much weight should they carry in your life. And that's basically where Pilate's at, right? He's got his own inner instinct. He knows the right thing to do. He's got his wife who truly cares about him, who's telling him what she thinks he should do. But then he's got these religious leaders who in this case are like dirty and corrupt. And he's got a crowd yelling, which should weigh more and how does Pilate make this decision? We cannot make decisions based on the voice of the crowd. And yet so many people live their entire lives making little decisions and big decisions based on a fickle crowd that does not love them. And friends, it's so important that we figure out inside ourselves what is right and that we do it. That we figure out who is the voice that we should be listening to and we listen to the voice that is the right voice in our lives. And we have to figure out to silence the crowd because the crowd will be different the next day. They'll turn on you just like they turned on Jesus. He said five days ago, isn't this the guy that you cheered for and you celebrated as you rode into Jerusalem and now crucify, crucify. The crowd is fickle. Your high school friends are fickle. Your cousins are fickle. But God, he has a plan for you, the Bible says, to give you future 
and a hope. And if you listen to his voice when you make decisions, you will not be led astray. If you listen to the right voice, the voice of people who truly care, you will not be led astray. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, it says, My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. If the crowds entice you, turn your back on them. Exodus 23 says, You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you're called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowds who twist justice. The crowd is always going to sway. And the crowd is almost always wrong. Proverbs 4 says, do not do as the wicked do. Do not follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. So we know in the end, Pilate makes the worst possible choice, right? He decides to say, I'm not guilty for it. I wash my hands of it. But yeah, go ahead and execute this innocent guy. Now, I don't think any of us is making a decision to execute a person or anything that extreme, but how many of us, based on the chance of a crowd, have executed a dream? How many of us, based on the chance of the crowd or what's popular in the moment, have executed a relationship in our lives that was actually good and healthy and life-giving? How many of us have, have executed and cut off our connection with Christ because it was unpopular in the moment, the crowd and the voice of the crowd can never be louder than the voice that is right. But if you and I don't pre-decide, decide in advance whose voice we're going to listen to, then when we face difficult decisions, we're going to feel trapped. And so I'd invite each one of you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to look inside yourself and recognize how do you make big decisions or small decisions? Do you make them based on the voice of the crowd? Do you make them based on what feels right or popular or comfortable in the moment? Or do you have an actual strategy of doing what's right and listening to the right voices in your life? And I'm not perfect, right? I mean, this whole sermon started off with me explaining a big teenage decision I made right out the gate of adolescence that I blew horrifically and lied about for, you know, 30 years or so. Right? And when you realize you've messed up a decision, it's not the end of the world, you, but you simply go to God. You say, Jesus, I blew that one. That was not the right choice, and I am sorry. Please forgive me. And he does. So if you recognize in this moment you have something that you need to apologize to God for, a decision you made that maybe you're still living with what you posted, what you said, what you did, tell him you're sorry. God, I'm sorry for blowing that decision. And the Bible says that if and when you do, that his forgiveness comes to you. He wipes it away. You might still, like Pilate, have the reputation or the consequences of that decision, but God doesn't crucify you for it. He sets you free from it. Now, in the privacy of your heart, ask God to guide you as you make decisions tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Say, God, give me a spirit of wisdom. God, speak to me. Help me to silence the wrong voices and amplify the right voices. Help me to just do what's right when I know right needs done instead of stalling out. God, be with us. We make decisions every day and we need 
your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.